What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with the first part of a four-part, you know, Dynasty Rankings series, Dynasty Rankings week. We are coming at you today with our top 12 Dynasty quarterbacks. We're going to do this in kind of like a different format than we normally do. What we're going to do is dissect our top 12 and determine which buckets these players came from, from our bucketed rankings in our Patreon. So if that sounds confusing, we'll explain a little bit more uh, after the intro. But basically what we're going to be doing is because it's very hard to rank let's say Russell Wilson versus Justin Herbert, because there's like a seven-year age gap between those guys. We're going to rank the young quarterbacks amongst each other within our top 12, the contending quarterbacks among each other within our top 12, and then the veteran older quarterbacks amongst each other within our top 12. So again, we'll explain more after the intro, but if you guys enjoy this video at any point, as always, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below, subscribe to the channel if you are new, if you're interested in the rest of our Dynasty Rankings, Dynasty Rankings Manifesto available one of two ways. Sign up on Patreon, link is in the description down below, and sign up and deposit on Underdog Fantasy, promo code FSE in the description as well, also gets you access to the Dynasty Rankings Manifesto. So Danny, how you doing? Doing well. And yeah, I mean, the, basically what Corey said, our job in this video is a lot of channels are going to give you, you know, their top 12 overall dynasty rankings. And you're going to get a mumbling of, you know, win now type of pieces, uh, young type of pieces. And it's, as Corey said, impossible to compare a 22, 23 year old quarterback to a win now 33 year old quarterback. So giving this added context, kind of showing you the landscape, kind of showing, you, you know, if you're structuring towards a win now build or if you're structuring towards a productive struggle who your main targets and their valuations amongst themselves would be gives you guys better context. And of course, as Corey said, if you want full access to these bucketed rankings, we go very, very deep on each of our foundational prime and win now type of quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends, you name it, go access the dynasty rankings manifesto one of two ways, as Corey said, but either way, let's transition to the video. But before we do that, as always, we're gonna hit the intro. All right, Corey, so start us off with our first overall player, the first player in our foundational quarterbacks. If you guys are unfamiliar with the term foundational quarterbacks, we segmented this to quarterbacks that are at or under the age of 25 years old. So I'll let you take it away with the golden boy himself, the L.A. Charger himself, Justin Herbert. Yeah, so within our top 12, like Danny said, we have four foundational quarterbacks, quarterbacks under the age of 25. Six quarterbacks that are in their prime currently, so they're either 25 years old to 29 years old, and then two quarterbacks that are over the age of 30. So that's how our top 12 is broken down. We're going to start, like Danny said, with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert currently going off the board as the QB3, according to Keep Trade Cut, third overall player in Superflex startups. Quarterback three, 43rd, uh, 43.8 overall on Underdog Fantasy. If you guys want to you know, take some of this advice and go do some best ball drafts, like we said, and use that promo code FSE when you sign up. With Justin Herbert, he is our foundational quarterback one because, I mean, he's 24 years old. He's about to get a mega contract extension by the Los Angeles Chargers. Quarterback seven in points per game as a rookie in 2020 with 22.86 points per game. Quarterback two last year with 22.96 points per game. High volume passing offense, seventh in neutral pass rate over the last two seasons. Top three last year in neutral pass rate. Weapons galore with Keenan Allen. Mike Williams just got an extension. Austin Eckler out of the backfield, some tertiary pieces there as well. Justin Herbert is you know, also a very, very good player, which definitely helps when you're picking this high on the draft. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really simple to me. He is one of the top signal callers in the real life NFL. He has 
an arm for days. I mean, this is this guy is arguably one of the top three overall arms in the NFL. So when you're talking about an actual asset installation standpoint, you get a young quarterback who's already regarded as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. As you mentioned, about to get a huge extension to land him and secure him in that L.A. Uh, scheme, in that L.A. situation for the long term. And he's coming off back-to-back, as you said, top seven finishes, top seven point-per-game finishes in the last two years. He is as good of a prospect, as good of a player, as good of an asset as you can possibly ask for, apart from one other quarterback in Dynasty period. Yes, this is my quarterback two overall. This is my quarterback one in this foundational bucket. And if you have Justin Herbert as your quarterback one in Dynasty, feel pretty happy because this is going to be a long-term fixture, a long-term face of the franchise for your Dynasty team for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and the underrated thing about Justin Herbert, eight rushing touchdowns in two seasons as a starter too, um, 500 or so rushing yards over the course of those two seasons as well. So he can give you a little bit on the ground, not as much as some of the other guys. And the next guy that we're going to talk about in the foundational tier, Kyler Murray, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, currently going off the board as the QB six, ninth overall player, according to Keep Trade Cut, quarterback five, 61st overall player on underdog fantasy. He is really towing the line right now of a foundational quarterback. He's currently 24.8 years old, so he will very soon be in that territory of the quarterbacks in their prime. But I'll let you take it away with him. Quarterback that can legitimately win you weeks, given his arm and given his legs. Kyler Murray, apart from maybe Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, has the highest upside in fantasy. For Kyler Murray, I mean, we're talking about 24.42 points per game in 2020, which was the quarterback three in points per game that year, as well as the quarterback four in points per game last year with 22.57. And when you add the added context that he has shown legitimate stretches these last two years, talking about the first half of 2020 and the first half of 2021, of him being the absolute most dominant quarterback in fantasy. Nearly a 28, 29, 30-point-per-game score in each of the last two years for the first stretch of the season. If you had Kyler Murray for the first eight weeks in your leagues last year, you were probably 6-2. and two. You are probably 7-1 and one because the output at quarterback that you were getting from Kyler Murray was, to put it simply, league-winning. That is the type of player you're getting a guy who can threaten 30 to 35 passing touchdowns, 4,000 plus passing yards, while still having inherent rushing upside with 800 plus rushing yard type of output. The main concern about his dynasty value would be potential volatility given his injuries, maybe giving his long-term standing with the Cardinals. But if you're talking about a strict player, a strict asset who can legitimately win leagues, legitimately win weeks, he is up there with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, as I kind of said. The only real concern, obviously... That volatility, but when you're playing to win in fantasy football, you're still getting a 25, as Corey said, near 25 year old quarterback who should be locked and loaded as an NFL starter for the next 10 years. Maybe, you know, real life standing, you don't really believe in him as a passer, you don't really believe him as a player, but the Cardinals believe in him. Whatever team signs him next is going to believe in him, and he's going to be able to at least get the opportunity to be a starter in the NFL given his talent for the foreseeable future. So, top seven overall asset in dynasty fantasy football, period. Yeah, we both have him as our QB5s, and he's my fifth overall player, too. He'd be the fifth player yeah. off the board for me. Agreed. Um, we'll try, and as we're because we're going this in like a different order, because we're going foundational uh, to, you know, in their prime to veteran, we'll try and also mention where we have them overall when we come when it comes to like top 12. But we did want to organize this because it is easier to understand where we have certain players. So, yeah, Kyler Murray's currently our quarterback five consensus. Justin Herbert currently our consensus quarterback two in the overall rankings. Trey Lance is the next guy that we have here. As far as the foundational quarterbacks, quarterback seven off the board in dynasty startups right now, according to keep trade cut 27th overall player quarterback 12 
uh, 95th overall player per underdog fantasy right now. There's a lot of projection involved with Trey Lance, which is why he's coming at a little bit more of a value. And there is definitely a tear break between Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, and Trey Lance as the next young quarterback. But three first-round picks were invested into a guy that is barely 22 years old right now. Rocket arm, Konami code, rushing profile, under the tutelage of one of the best QB minds in the NFL, a system notorious for making average quarterbacks look and perform like they're elite quarterbacks and taking solid quarterbacks like Matt Ryan in 2016 and making him an MVP uh, favorite and MVP winner. And if Lance develops as a passer, his ceiling is that of Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert level of dynasty asset, three, four first round picks to trade away to acquire the guy. If he takes that next step this year in his limited action as a rookie from a fantasy perspective, we saw what the game plan was in San Francisco in the three games that he played as the, as like the main guy, he only played like 51% of the snaps in one of the games, but he was the starter in the other two. He had 15 uh, fantasy points in one of those games over 20 in the other two games as a rookie that pretty much looked lost as a passer. So the guy that averages over 10 rush attempts per game is exactly the type of quarterback I want on my roster. Combine all of this with the fact that he gets to throw to Debo Samuel, assuming that he stays in San Francisco, George Kittle, who's locked up long-term Brandon Ayuk, who might get locked up long-term pretty soon for the foreseeable future. And you've got a stud foundational quarterback, especially if you're a rebuilding, you know, productive struggle type of archetype of team. Trey Lance is the most interesting debate in dynasty period. There are, a, you know, a segment of people that are scared about the floor, scared about the fact that he hasn't going to name the starter, yada, yada, yada. He hasn't really shown signs. And I get that. Maybe you're uneasy. Maybe you're unclear about what exactly Trey Lance is specifically more in redraft because of the, you know, the, the circumstances kind of regarding him. But the way I kind of view dynasty, and I'm sure you guys following the channel know myself and Corey always look for potential appreciation, potential value accrual. And when you're talking about Trey Lance, Trey Lance's upside, Trey Lance's ceiling is top five overall dynasty pick next year. If Trey Lance goes out there and Trey Lance is the starter and Trey Lance has the rushing upside and the uh, inarguable passing upside, giving his arm talent that he does and goes out and balls out next year, the mid second round cost you're currently paying for him, you're going to be laughing at. You're going to be flat out laughing at because Trey Lance's upside is legitimately, as Corey said, in that Herbert, in the Mahomes, in that Lamar, Kyler type of area, top five overall pick in Dynasty. So, yeah, there's projection here, but at the end of the day here in Fantasy, we are playing to ultimately get elite assets for non-elite prices, and Trey Lance has a pathing to be able to do that within the next one, two years. Yeah, and he has a number of selling windows that are going to come along the way too if you don't believe in Trey Lance, the player. If you get him, you know, currently going off the board 27th overall on Keep Trade Cut, if you get him anywhere outside of the early second round, I would consider it a huge value. The second Jimmy Garoppolo gets traded, he's going to be a first-round startup pick. Like, that's just how it's going to work because he's 22 years old. He has the stud Konami code output. If he has a Jalen Hurts-level season, and Jalen Hurts was nothing special as a passer last year, but he was very good for fantasy, then Trey Lance is going to have, like Danny said, a top five overall price tag this time next year. And speaking of Jalen Hurts, we can transition right into him. Quarterback 12 right now off the board per keep trade cut. So about a third round pick for the most part in startups right now. Quarterback 6, 65 overall per underdog. So he's actually better from a redraft perspective in terms of his ADP than he is from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, and uh, I, again, that, that's kind of what I was going to tail into. I, I love Jalen Hurts, the player. And again, as I said, like I oddly will have him ranked higher in my redraft rankings than I will do in my dynasty rankings, despite the fact that this is a guy that's not even 24 years old yet, turns 24 in August. 
In terms of Jalen Hurts, the player, I mean, we saw what he was able to do last year. He is a dynamic game changer given that rushing ceiling that he has. And he's a potential top five overall quarterback. I mean, this is a guy that was quarterback two prior to week 13 last year. And now gets the addition of a superstar caliber wide receiver to this offense, which should inherently increase that passing volume for a team in the Eagles that was the second highest volume rushing team in neutral game scripts last year. The problem with Jalen Hurts and the reason why I have him comparably lower in my dynasty rankings is that his low team investment with the Eagles and potential transition for the Eagles in the franchise, should he disappoint this year in terms of moving on to another option, talking about maybe a disgruntled Kyler Murray, talking about a rookie quarterback next year, they have the type of capital, they have the type of ammo where if Jalen Hurst doesn't prove himself from a real-life NFL perspective, not talking fantasy because he's going to ball out in fantasy regardless, if he does not prove himself from a real-life perspective, we could see the Eagles moving on from him. The, the one caveat I have, though, is if Jalen Hurts balls out next year and the Eagles give him an extension and the Eagles are committed to him and the Eagles want to build around him, it's a similar case to Trey Lance, only, again, the thing with Trey Lance is he has third overall draft capital, three first-round investment on him from the San Francisco 49ers, which gives him the edge. So we're talking about comparable ceilings, but the reason why we would opt for Lance over Jalen Hurts is giving the team investment. But as I said, if Jalen Hurts balls out and Jalen Hurts proves himself to be you know, one of the best up-and-coming young quarterbacks in the league, he could be talked about in regards to the Kyler Murray range by this time next year. If he gets yeah, that, if they, if they extend him, he's, if they were to, if Jalen Hurts signed an extension right now, even if it was like Ryan Tannehill money, like the, the contract that Tannehill signed last year, this is a top eight overall startup pick. Like that's where he's going. He's going to go after Kyler and Lamar Jackson, but he probably, I would rather have him than Joe Burrow in that yes. case, because of the rushing output, because of what he can provide as a fantasy quarterback. Like you said, the real life stuff has to happen for them to get to that point because they don't care what he does in fantasy. They care about how it uh, translates to wins and losses on the actual field. But yeah, Jalen Hurts, a guy that could definitely rise in value, a guy that I am a lot higher on this year than I was last year, because yes. I think last year we had yet to see that top six overall fantasy finish that we saw from Jalen Hurts in the games before he got that ankle injury. He was the QB five in fantasy. And the funny part to me is that everything we needed to see from Jalen Hurts Ended up coming to fruition last year. Again, quarterback two in the time he played uh, between weeks one and 13 uh, prior to the ankle injury that kind of derailed him at the end of the season. But his cost in redraft has realistically barely gone up. I mean, this was a guy that was, you know, an eighth, ninth round redraft pick not last year. And you consistently see him available in like the sixth round this year. So he proved everything from, uh, you know, what he can do in fantasy, what he can do from an output standpoint. And yet his current cost of acquisition, like, barely rose like i am more than fine taking this guy in the in the round six of my redraft league take him in round six getting a konami code elite level ceiling and still being able to craft my team around him i think he's currently one of the best best ball values and i mean as a result you know if you can get this guy in the late second round of your dynasty draft i think that's more than adequate spot for him given as we said that projectable ceiling if he does prove himself if he does validate those concerns of him as an nfl level passer and ultimately gets the nod of approval from the eagles Right, and the other thing that helps, and we can move on, is that he does have the opportunity to do that. With A.J. Brown now there, Devontae Smith in his second year, Dallas Goddard got extended, so he has the pieces around him to do that. Offensive line's still good, obviously, in the second year in the system, so he could take, I'm not going to say Josh Allen-level uh, jump from his second to his third year, but it's definitely possible that he becomes a plus-level passer in the NFL, so 
Let's move on to the QBs in their prime. Leading it off is Josh Allen. Both of our quarterback ones are first overall player in Superflex. Uh, real quick on Jalen Hurts. Both of us have him. You have him at 10. I have him at 11. Uh, just a discrepancy between him and Russell Wilson for me. But Josh Allen, QB1, first overall player per keep trade cut. QB1, 28th overall player per underdog fantasy. Pretty simple case for him. We don't need to spend too much time. Quarterback two in points per game in 2020 by like 0.04 points behind Patrick Mahomes. Quarterback one last year, both seasons over 25 points per game. This is the 101 insulated to a stable franchise, hefty long-term extension that he signed that I believe he's in the first year of weapons as well, too. He has, you know, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, number of other guys. Quarterback one, 101 overall. I don't need to spend pretty much any other, you know, breath on Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, come on, guys. This is one of the better or best period real-life NFL passers while still having legitimate 700, 800-yard rushing output and an autonomy as soon as his team gets inside that five-yard line to be able to contribute from a rushing touchdown standpoint. Don't overthink Josh Allen. Yes, maybe you might argue that Patrick Mahomes may be a real-life or better real-life NFL quarterback. Maybe you like Justin Herbert better as a passer long-term. Whatever you want to argue, I don't really care. Josh Allen is the 101 because of that rushing output that he has over the other elite-level passers. Yeah, and uh, speaking of Patrick Mahomes, quarterback two, second overall per keep trade cut, so he's the consensus 102 in most dynasty leagues. Quarterback two, 38.5 per underdog. The one, I mean, we got to talk about how is Tyreek Hill going to affect Patrick Mahomes. I tend to think not a whole lot uh, from a fantasy perspective, but I'll let you uh, kind of take it away with him. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Obviously, you know, losing Tyreek Hill, one of the top five overall receivers in real-life NFL who can stretch and uh, completely dictate coverage is going to impact uh Patrick Holmes, yeah, no, no problem admitting that that's going to be an impact. However, you still have Travis Kelsey there. You have a top 55 overall selective receiver who we're both a believer in with Sky Moore. You have, you know, maybe not elite weapons like you did last year, but you still have, you know, a, a top half of the league type of receiving core there with Patrick Mahomes. And as we know with Patrick Mahomes from a value insulation standpoint, this is the best quarterback in the real life NFL. So we know regardless of what happens, his value is always going to maintain within those top five overall dynasty picks. He's finished with over 20 points per game in each of his years since taking over for Alex Smith back in 2018. And as we know, we know what Patrick Mahomes is. We know that no matter what happens, his value can't really take. This guy gets an injury next year. This guy goes through a rough stretch next year. Whatever happens, nobody's just going to automatically flip the switch and say, no, Patrick Mahomes is garbage. I don't want him in dynasty. Everybody's going to value him as a top five at minimum, probably still top three asset in Superflex Dynasty, regardless of what happens. Yeah. And he's, again, one of the few assets that you can say 10 years from now, he's still going to probably have value. Literally. Um, because he signed pretty much a 10 year extension. So, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, don't have to spend too much time on him. Number three, um, quarterback in their prime between the age of 25 and 29, Lamar Jackson, quarterback eight right now, eighth overall player per keep trade cut, which I believe is a huge value, even though yes. he's going eighth overall. Quarterback four. Uh, 51.7 per underdog fantasy right now. People forget that Lamar Jackson was the quarterback five in points per game before he got injured, 22.89 points per game, and what was considered a down season for him. Uh, QB8 in points per game in 2020, QB1 by a long shot in 2019. Still younger than Joe Burrow right now at barely 25 years old with an MVP under his belt and bar none, the most valuable and dangerous dual threat quarterback in the league and a guy that has 1,000-yard rushing upside, the guy that has you know 10 rushing touchdown upside for a guy that has led the league in passing touchdowns also in the same season as leading the league in quarterback rushing. This is a dude that can break fantasy football 30 point per game type of output. He's the CMC of the quarterback position. 
The only difference is, is that at, with Lamar Jackson, he's a quarterback. We don't expect him to get injured as much as a guy like CMC. He is much closer, in my opinion, to Josh Allen, to Patrick Mahomes, to Justin Herbert, those top three consensus Superflex quarterbacks, than he is to even Kyler Murray, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, uh, the rest of the quarterbacks that we're going to talk about. I think he should have, he should be the 104 and it shouldn't even, like it should be a tear break after him. Yeah, it, it's funny to me because you kind of mentioned it. I would say, you know, the top three right now are kind of highly regarded in their own tier, though. Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are absolutely creeping up on that uh, for my own personal ranks. That top five quarterbacks should really be undisputed. I And I, I think the order of them, I mean, if you want to mix Mahomes, if you want to mix Maher, or Herbert, sure. But Allen should be one. Two and three should be Herbert, Mahomes, whatever order you spice it up. Four should be Lamar Jackson. Five should be Kyler Murray, and yet we are still seeing, as we'll kind of get into, you know, the overvalued one, Joe Burrow going ahead of Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray in startups. Like, are we forgetting that we're gonna get? We're talking about elite Konami code upside, one thousand yard rushing type of output with Lamar Jackson, with one of the most creative offenses in the league that suits his capabilities. Just because he dealt with, you know, injuries and inconsistencies and whatever you want to fugaz you want to throw around from last year sure but if that's going to cause this guy to fall to eighth overall like if you can tell me right now you can move off of the 102 go to the 105 maybe net you know uh, a third rounder in exchange for your sixth and still get lamar jackson i'm doing that every single day in the dynasty startup yeah exactly like i said I, you could legitimately make the argument that lamar jackson should be the 102 in startups because he again for the way that fantasy scoring is set up we didn't create it but the way that it's set up, it favors rushing quarterbacks. And unless you're in a six point for passing touchdown league, a league that values passing yardage and rushing yardage the same, like Lamar Jackson inherently has a bigger advantage to score a high level of fantasy points than Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert because he runs a lot more than those two guys do. So yeah, Lamar Jackson, a guy that is currently both our QB fours, a guy that we would comfortably take over Joe Burrow, comfortably take over, you know, Dak Prescott and guys that are going JT. in some cases ahead of him in, in most leagues. Um, Deshaun Watson, the next guy that we have here, obviously a lot of news surrounding him. Some news that came out yesterday that he's getting his 23rd case. So he's up to the Jordan number now, uh, QB eight, 15th overall player per keep trade cut QB 15, 115th overall player per underdog. So obviously a looming suspension is part of the reason why he's going so low in underdog drafts right now. We actually had a report come out that he might be suspended the entire season, uh, this coming year, which uh, wouldn't shock me given the nature of his allegations, but, uh, I'll let you take it away with his dynasty value. And speaking of Deshaun Watson, I mean, you kind of outlined the off-field issues. You kind of outlined that he probably will be facing a suspension this year. But uh, as we know, when this guy's on the field, he is a perennial top five fantasy quarterback. And he is one of the weird assets in Dynasty, you know, similar to like a Josh Allen, right? Where he has Konami code type of upside while still being in that rare mix of having, you know, an elite level NFL standing amongst quarterbacks in terms of arm talent, in terms of actual passing output. Again, he's not a Lamar, Kyler, Hurts level rusher, but if he's healthy, you could pretty much lock him into, you know, 400, 600 type of rushing yards and six plus rushing touchdowns. And now we're talking about a player that is insulated into the best situation in his career, getting traded to the Cleveland Browns this offseason. Talking about a potential offense that could be a top five offense in the NFL, has adequate weapons with obviously Amari Cooper there, David Bell, who we believe in, one of the best offensive lines in the league. Deshaun Watson has every makings of 
again, a top five quarterback in fantasy for the next five years. And if you can take advantage of maybe a slight value discount, given the uncertainty around his legal situation, uncertainty around maybe the fact that he misses games this year, I'm all for it, especially if you're in a productive struggle. Deshaun Watson should be one of those main quarterback targets on your buy list because people have that uncertainty that's going to result in him not being valued as an elite asset when in actuality, anytime he's on the field, that's how he should be regarded. Right. And you also get the added benefit that if he does get suspended the whole season, then you're not getting his production on your team and it tanks your own 2023 first, which is a situation that I find myself in, in one of the leagues that I'm, you know, retooling for a year, two years from now, where I have Justin Herbert and Deshaun Watson as my main quarterbacks. I I would be ecstatic if Deshaun Watson got suspended the whole season, because then that all that, you know, 23, 24 point per game production is off my team. Because like I said, with uh, Trey Lance and the 49ers, this Cleveland Browns passing situation can elevate a meh passer and to look like a really good quarterback. When you get an actual elite passer into that system, I mean, Deshaun Watson could be legitimately an MVP favorite this year if he were to be expected to play the whole season just because this system is that quarterback friendly. He's never played behind an offensive line like this. He's never had a run game like this with Chubb and Hunt. And the weapons are still probably better uh, passing weapons within Joku and Cooper and David Bell than he's ever had in uh, in Houston as well uh, outside of the year that De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller were both healthy. So um, we could probably move off to Sean Watson unless you have anything else. Joe Burrow, the guy that we kind of touched on already, is potentially being overvalued. Quarterback four right now, seventh overall player per keep trade cut. Quarterback seven, 68.3 per underdog. Now, the thing with Joe Burrow is that, yes, did he lead his team to a Super Bowl appearance? The, the lowly Cincinnati Bengals, one year removed from a torn ACL in 2021. Yeah, he did. But that's that's what he did from an NFL perspective. That's not necessarily what he did from a fantasy perspective. From a fantasy perspective, he had a solid year. Quarterback 10 on the season in points per game and a dominant back half of the season, especially the way he closed out the season. In the fantasy playoffs, he had two 30-point performances. And he had uh, a top five uh, quarterback finish from week 12 on. So this is a guy that people remember fondly at the end of the uh, end of the fantasy season. But he was kind of like a middling quarterback, too, for most of the season before that. He is slightly overvalued on the market right now. And part of it makes sense. He's a young quarterback. He's going to get a mega extension at some point. He's just a very good NFL quarterback. But he should not be going number one ahead of or even alongside the dual threat guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. It's pretty clear that he will have long-term job security, but that's pretty much all he has in his favor against those other guys. Sorry, I just wanted to point out like the, the, the term young is just so relative because I mean, we're still talking about a player that's nearly 26 years old, which if you tell, you know, somebody Joe Burrow, you say, okay, like guess, guess how old Joe Burrow is. Majority of people would think, you know, oh, maybe he's, you know, 24 years old. Justin Herbert is 24 years old. Joe Burrow is older than Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray. A ridiculous stat when you actually contextualize it. The quarterbacks that actually legitimately went two years in the draft prior to Joe Burrow even uh, even coming to the NFL scene. He is a, a really, really good top 10 level real life quarterback. He just led his team to the Super Bowl, as you said. He is one of the better up and coming young talents in the league uh, and should realistically be a stud quarterback in real life for the next 10 plus years leading that Cincinnati offense. Do I want him in Dynasty? Absolutely not. The fact that we can currently get Lamar Jackson plus or Kyler Murray plus for Joe Burrow means that you have no excuse to have Joe Burrow on your dynasty teams, especially if it's a four-point pass uh, touchdown league. If it's six-point, you know, sure, because he's going to throw a lot of output. Okay, I'm a little bit more lenient there. But if it's a four-point league, 
and you're not at least entertaining possibly going to the Kyler Murray owner, going to the Lamar Jackson owner, trying to get, you know, even a 2023 second attached for either of those guys, we would take them straight up. So the fact that you can currently get, you know, a 2023 second or maybe even I would take a 2023 third just to get a little bit of value and still get the access to an elite ceiling that Joe Burrow doesn't have. I'm going to talk about it with the next guy that we have in this inner prime bucket, but he's just an expensive player the uh, or expensive version of the next player we're about to talk about. Right. And we still have him high. Like he's still yeah. my quarterback six right behind Lamar Jackson and Kyle Murray. Yeah. And you have him at seven behind Deshaun Watson, which I mean, we kind of already touched on why uh, Watson is going a little bit lower depending on the suspension. But yeah, like Joe Burrow definitely belongs to be a first round, you know, dynasty startup pick. He's definitely a locked and loaded QB one. The only problem is that he's going ahead of guys that are just frankly way better fantasy assets than he is. Yeah, for sure. So, and I mean, transitioning, I said he was the expensive version of this guy. Uh, I was talking about Dak Prescott, quarterback from the Dallas Cowboys, quarterback seven ranked uh, on keep trade cut, 14th overall player. So about an early second round pick for spending. Underdog fantasy, you're currently getting at the quarterback 10, 85.2 ADP. And he's just the cheap Joe Burrow. Yes, you get a three-year age discrepancy. I understand. I would take Joe Burrow straight up over Dak Prescott if I'm in a dynasty draft. However, their archetype is nearly identical. Pocket passers with 35 plus touchdown uh, passing touchdown inherent ceilings insulated in top offenses in the league. With Dak Prescott, again, he's one of the most efficient uh, players in the NFL. Logged into a situation with the Dallas Cowboys, who was the number one scoring team in the NFL and should be locked and loaded top five to seven at worst next year. And we know that despite lacking the inherent rushing upside he had to begin his career. A healthy process, you can still pretty much lock into 35-plus passing touchdowns, can still pretty much lock into 4,500-plus passing yards in a full healthy season. I'm more than fine. You go in that one-two turn, you lock up maybe Prescott and Lance or Prescott and Pitts or Prescott and maybe one of the receivers that they fall. I think that's a perfect way to start up your dynasty draft. Yeah, with, with Prescott and Burrow, are they going to give you a couple rushing touchdowns a season, maybe like 150, 200 rushing yards? Sure, but... They're they're mainly gonna their appeal is gonna come from passing and and I like you said it's pretty much just an age discount that you're getting on Dak Prescott versus Joe Burrow because their archetypes are relatively the same and I think you could even argue too that Dak Prescott has more passing upside from a volume perspective than Burrow has shown thus uh, at this point in his career maybe they give him you know the reins next year but we'll never know maybe on the the majority of the relative market given you know inherent Prescott bias and given the fact that you know Burrow's coming off that MVP or not MVP campaign uh, Super Bowl campaign. You could realistically flip, you know, Burrow in a 2023 second into Prescott in a 2023 first in most avenues. And if you can do that type of move, I'm doing that 100 times out of 100. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think you can also make the argument, too, that Prescott from like a floor perspective is probably a little safer on a season per season basis because of that inherent passing volume that, I mean, they didn't show it last year, the Cowboys, but I, I don't think their defense, we've kind of had this discussion off camera. I don't think their defense can be quite as good as it was last year with the losses that they've endured. So maybe they do have to pass the ball a little bit more to what we expected going into the season um, coming into last year. So let's move off of the quarterbacks in their prime. Again, those were the six quarterbacks that are in our top 12 rankings that are currently in their prime age 25 to 29. There's two quarterbacks in our top 12 dynasty rankings that are over the age of 30, Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford. Both guys are in their early 30s. Uh, Russell Wilson's 33 and a half and Matthew Stafford is 34. So um, Russell Wilson is our consensus QB one among these two guys. 
quarterback nine, 25th overall per keep trade cut QB eight, 77th overall per underdog fantasy. Russell Wilson, ironically, was actually my biggest bus candidate heading into the 2021 season. I had him in my top five bus video as a guy that I was not drafting in underdog drafts or in uh, regular season long leagues. And he kind of proved why. Yeah, he got hurt, but he was the quarterback 13 in points per game on the season and his usual boomer bust fashion kind of played out. But he did play on an offense that had a bottom 12 pass rate in neutral situations with a 54% pass uh, rate and also an offense that ran one of the slowest paces in the NFL as well. So he goes to Denver now. Not sure how they were going to operate philosophically. We don't know if Nathaniel Hackett is going to come from a run-heavy Matt LaFleur type of approach like we've seen LaFleur deploy in the past or if he's going to come out and you know let Russ cook, which we've been wanting for a couple of years. But some of the Green Bay teams that we've seen over the last two seasons, despite ranking pretty low in terms of overall passing volume, they've ranked actually top 12 in the NFL in neutral pass rate over the past two years and run a much faster paced offense than the Seattle Seahawks do as well. So it does seem like Russell Wilson could do exactly what Matthew Stafford did last year. Go to a new team, new situation, and absolutely blow the doors off the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's got the talent. He's got the adequate weaponry. I mean, you're talking about a Denver situation. Like, yeah, like, was it tough to watch that offense move the ball last year? Sure, but that was directly quarterback-related, directly scheme-related. You still have weapons like Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, and then at tight end, I mean, you got that combo of Albert Okuibunam and Greg Dolchich with arguably one of the top duos uh, at the running back position in the NFL with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Talk about a, a situation, you know, of insulation. Russell Wilson should be in a top 10 level type of offense in Denver this year. And again, I don't like creating a narrative, if you will, but in a division where you're facing off against Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr, you're going to have to throw the ball across the yard. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they're going to get away with just, you know, running the ball to win games. <laughs> they could, maybe they could, if their defense maybe. is really good, it's definitely possible, but uh, that, that division is going to be throwing the ball like crazy with, with yep. um, the weapons in that division. So yeah, Russell Wilson, like one of these guys that I think could just, we could look back on it and be like, yeah, this guy's going to be an MVP favorite type of quarterback, you know, midway through the season or whatever. It wouldn't shock me one bit. I think the top two receivers were better in Seattle. I think Metcalf and Lockett are better than Sutton and Jerry Judy, but the depth of talent that they have in Denver and the run game and the offensive line is why I think the situation as a whole was an upgrade on top of the fact that he's probably going to be allowed to throw more than 510 times on a season like he was never allowed to do in Seattle. So uh, let's get into the other 30-plus-year-old quarterback, which is Matthew Stafford. Obviously, with these two guys, the second you make this pick, you're probably hamstrung into winning now, which is why they are our quarterback 10 uh, for me, quarterback 11 for you, and then both are quarterback 12s for Matthew Stafford because we typically do favor that flexibility factor that the young guys offer. For sure. Again, is that any you know detriment on them? No, like two, three turn. I think they are absolute value picks at that spot, given their fact that they are, they have a, an extreme level elite level standing in terms of NFL level passers, top 10 type of quarterbacks. And they both kind of, you know, follow that same kind of archetype, older players, high passing ceilings. Russell Wilson probably of course has a, a more inherent rushing ceiling given his athleticism, but neither of them are going to be, you know, Konami code barn burner level rushers. But when you're talking about Stafford, I mean, he averaged over 20 points per game his first year on the Rams and the situation of insulation is perfect there. Attached to Sean McVay offense that features a top receiver in the NFL and Cooper Cup, who is coming off a 190-plus target season en route to being arguably the best receiver in football last year, along with Allen Robinson, newly signed Allen Robinson, who should provide more stability at that wide receiver two spot, given the fact that Robert Woods is coming off a torn ACL last year. They didn't really have that presence apart from 
uh, Van Jefferson up until Odell Beckham emerged. Think of Allen Robinson as your pseudo Odell Beckham type of replacement for this upcoming year, along with an SF elite talent amongst the offensive line, uh, a solid running back with Cam Akers. And of course, as I mentioned, that pace of play, that inherent offensive ceiling that a McVay offense will provide you. Stafford is a top 24 ranked player for me coming off a 600 plus passing attempt and 40 plus passing touchdown season last year and has all the talent in the world to be able to hold the standing uh, in terms of his dynasty value for the foreseeable future. Yeah, he's older, you know, 33, 34 year old option, but I think he is the perfect quarterback too for a win now team. You can currently get him maybe, you know, just slightly above a 2023 first for Stafford. And if you're winning now, I think that's a, a more than adequate type of move. Right. And I think one of the best strategies you can deploy in a startup is going with Josh Allen or one of the elite quarterbacks in the first round, pairing Christian McCaffrey and Matthew Stafford to end out the second if you're trying to win now, because you can get those stud win now type of assets out of value because they're older and, you know, injury concerns for McCaffrey. For sure. Yeah. If you opt for a win now, you're locking in Josh Allen, who you figure is going to be the quarterback one this year. And maybe at that two, three turn, you pair up Stafford with CMC or Stafford with Cooper Cup. Guess what? I mean, you're talking about overall points. You're arguably going to have the number one quarterback in fantasy, another top 10 option, and the number one wide receiver or running back in fantasy with McCaffrey or Cup. So building a win now team, uh, 101 is going to help that a ton. Yeah, the one thing I will say about Stafford that it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. The the Rams went uh, abnormally pass heavy in the red zone last year. Now, we don't know it's because if was it because that they didn't trust Jared Goff before or was it because that Cam Akers got hurt? and they didn't have a running back that they trusted in the red zone. So we're going to have to see how that plays out this year. If they do indeed trust Cam Akers with a full workload, which I think Sean McVay still does, are they going to opt to run more in the red zone than they did last year? Because even in Jared Goff's heyday, when he looked like he was going to be a great quarterback, led him to a big extension, they still opted to use Todd Gurley in the red zone a ton. Yeah, no, exactly. And chicken or eggs, the perfect way to combine it. Because I mean, this was a team, as you said, that inherently threw the ball more in the red zone that we are used to ceiling. I'm more on the side that they're probably going to maintain that given the fact that they have an elite level quarterback that could be able to efficiently distribute the ball in that red zone area, along with, you know, arguably one of the best red zone weapons in the league with Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, who's a big body target that can play all over the yard for that wide receiver position that can contribute in the red zone as well. I'm leaning on passing more, but again, you know, if Cam Akers healthy and they run the ball more, I wouldn't be surprised. And quite frankly, I don't think Stafford is dependent on elite usage in the red zone area, given the fact that the Rams are going to have big plays. The Rams are going to stretch a defense vertically. Stafford has one of the best arm talent, uh, arm talent in the entire NFL and can stretch the ball down the field to Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, whoever wants to get open on that deep portion. No qualms, no problems with taking Stafford. And I think regardless of, you know, maybe running the ball in the red zone a little bit more, we should still, still see him be an MVP caliber level quarterback. Yeah, which is exactly those big plays. Exactly why I love Van Jefferson in dynasty drafts because I think he's just a huge value, and uh, I'm gonna own a ton of him on underdog as well because I think he's a great value on there. So, uh, about 40 minutes into this video, if you guys made it to the end, let us know how you like this format. Do you like the traditional top 12 rankings format better? Do you like how we kind of segmented our top 12 into the buckets that they fit into? We are planning to do this for running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends as well because. 
even more, I would say even more so at those positions because their positional longevity, especially at running back, doesn't last as long. It is really, really hard to compare Christian McCaffrey to Brees Hall. It's just a completely different ballpark. So we do, uh, we would really like to do it that way as well if you guys enjoyed it. So if you did enjoy it, hit the like button, comment any of your thoughts down below as well. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. If you want the rest of our dynasty rankings, rest of our quarterback rankings, rest of our running back, wide receiver, tight end, bucketed, all that stuff available on our dynasty rankings manifesto. Available one of two ways. Link is in the description for both ways. You can sign up and deposit on Underdog Fantasy. Take some of this into the uh, into the battlefield. Uh, Best Ball Mania 3 and Puppies going live right now. Promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. will get you 100% access to our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto for the entirety of the season. Or you can sign up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange. But with that being said, peace out. We'll talk to you soon.